0: Today's reading is taken from the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Paul's ministry in Thessalonica. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you, not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You were witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory.
1: Father, that's a wonderful passage. We may be quite familiar with it, I guess, some of us, and uh, uh, we pray, Father, whether it's something that we uh, feel, oh yeah, I think I've heard that before, or whether it's completely new that you would be the one who speaks to us this morning and really engages us with your word, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now if you watch our uh, Facebook or Instagram uh, pages, you will have seen this. It's a 100 billion dollar banknote. And it's genuine, it's the real thing. Okay, it comes from Zimbabwe and it was issued on the 1st of July 2008, so Soon after that, if you'd gone to a shop in Zimbabwe to buy a a loaf of bread or something, then you could have uh, paid for it uh, using this $100 billion banknote, and they would have taken it from you as as legal currency. And uh, uh, it does raise raise the thing, though, because there are a number of times, aren't there, where you think, well, surely that can't be real, authentic, the uh, the genuine thing. So, for instance, you might go to uh, um, a market and you see a Rolex watch for sale for 10 quid and you think well that's not the real thing is it and you might think oh sorry philip <laughs> and uh, uh or you might think for instance here's a pair of levi's okay and uh, they belong to me and these levi's i bought them in india for uh, about 2 years ago for about 20 quid now someone said to me they can't be real can they they're not the real thing well actually I don't really mind whether they are or not but uh, here they are who knows they may be they may not be we really don't know so uh, but so, you know people like to know if something's real or genuine or not and in christian ministry in christian ministry there are all sorts of all sorts of uh, uh, things that go on in the name of christian ministry but you just want to wonder uh, is this real is this genuine is this the real thing is this authentic now, you may be thinking, as we think this morning, about authentic Christian ministry. You may be thinking, actually, I'm not really sure this really applies to me. Because, you know, when we're thinking about Christian ministry, surely that's about people who get ordained or youth ministers or whatever. But actually, the Bible says that if you're a Christian, you are a minister. So for everyone who's a Christian here today, it doesn't matter what age you are. You might be, you might be 11 or 12. You might be 7 or 8. But if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you are a Christian minister. Or you might be 80-something or 90-something. If you believe in the, in the Lord Jesus, then you are a Christian minister. So this sermon is for everyone. Everyone. Every single one of us, whether you're watching online or whether you're uh, here in the building. By the way, uh, in terms of Christian ministry, this is just another encouragement for us to be here in the building. Isn't it lovely? Gradually we see more and more folks coming, just sitting slightly closer together and so on. And it just does feel like this is, this is the gathering of God's people, isn't it, together here today? This is lovely. Uh, it's easier, not impossible to do it uh, uh, at a distance, but it's just easier and better, isn't it, to minister to one another. So if, we, if we're Christian ministers... And if you're a Christian, you are a Christian minister. It's a really good idea and a good thing to be here. So, uh, um, so what is Christian ministry about? What's it look like? Well, I came across uh, this about the authentic vicar. The authentic vicar preaches for exactly 20 minutes, yet manages to include all the Bible has to say on the sermon subject. The authentic minister condemns everyone's sin except yours and never says anything anyone might ever disagree with. The authentic vicar works from 6am to midnight yet still manages to get eight hours sleep and still stays healthy. The authentic minister prepares sermons every week for 40 years and never repeats an idea, a joke or an illustration. The authentic vicar earns £200 a week, gives away half of this to charity, and yet wears new clothes and drives a fairly new car. The authentic vicar is 38 and has been in ministry for 25 years. The authentic vicar has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends all his or her time with retired people. The authentic vicar makes ten visits as day to church families, visits the sick every day, and yet still manages to reply to your email within five minutes of you sending it. And the authentic vicar has four children who never get into trouble and want to go into ministry themselves, and the wife, who cooks like Delia, writes Christian books and solves all your problems every time you see her. Well, those might be our unspoken expectations, actually, mightn't they? That authentic Christian ministry, what is it really about? Well, it's really about two things. First of all, it's really about pleasing God. And secondly, it's really about loving people. Pleasing God and loving people. That's what this passage tells us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So first of all, authentic Christian ministry, it's about pleasing God. And there are two sub-points. The first of those is suffering for the gospel. We'll come to that, uh, in just a minute. But you can see in verse one there, you know, brothers and sisters, our visit to you was not without results. So clearly there are some distract, detractors from Paul's ministry. Uh, he wasn't around for very long, a couple of weeks or so, Was a bit longer than that, and he was probably a bit of a troublemaker. No one liked him very much, and as soon as there were any trouble, he just ran away. Wasn't up to it really, was he? In fact, it was just a bit of a failure, and it says there, uh, "Our visit to you was not without results." Other versions have "Our visit to you was not a failure," and the word there, "without results" or "failure," literally means "hollow." So they're saying his ministry was just hollow; there was nothing to it. There really was nothing to it at all. But actually, Paul says, there were genuine results. And you are proof of it. The fact that there is a church in Thessalonica, tiny little new church there, probably not very many of them. But the fact that there are people there following the Lord Jesus is proof of his ministry. There were genuine results there. And he says here, as Christians, peop- Christian people gather together, uh, right there in the middle of verse 4, or towards the end of verse 4, he says, We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. So it may be that the ministry that we had in Thessalonica wasn't very pleasing to some people. We're not trying to please individual people or groups of people. No, we're seeking to please God. That means we're not trying to please other people, and we're not trying to please ourselves, But we are truly and rightly trying to please God. So we're not trying to have a comfortable life. We're not trying to uh, uh, live so that other people will think well of us. No. Simply we have one eye on God. Because we want to please him in what we do. Christian ministry is for the one who tests our hearts. And uh, uh, whether we're leading a small group... Whether we're making a cake for someone, whether we're visiting someone at home, making a phone call, dropping a note in, uh, whether we're doing a one-to-one with someone or whatever it is. We do it for God and we do it from our hearts. So for all of us in any kind of Christian ministry, why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? We just may need to repent. Repent over perhaps selfish motives or a desire to look good or a desire to be seen to be doing the things of God and as Paul writes to the church there in Thessalonica um, uh, he was only there a few months ago so that's why he says for instance in verse 1 and verse 5 you know, you know what we did, you know how we lived among you and he says in verse 9, you remember and he says in verse 10, "Your are witnesses you know what happened, and you know what we were like. They saw it. They experienced it. They know what Paul and Silas looked like, how they acted, how they lived, and they know it was authentic. And Paul says, remember, you know we were seeking to please God. So Christian ministry is about pleasing God, and that might mean the 1st subpoint here, actually suffering. As he says here, they had suffered, in verse 2, and been treated outrageously in Philippi. And yet they said, we're going to carry on doing exactly the same stuff when we come to Thessalonica, even if it is going to mean trouble. And it did. They knew going to Thessalonica was going to be risky. They knew going to Thessalonica was going to be probably putting their lives in danger in some shape or form. But actually, we're seeking to please God and not ourselves. So literally, they spoke freely and openly and fearlessly and outspokenly as they went there to proclaim the gospel, to tell people about Jesus so that people in that pretty big city of Thessalonica might know and hear about the good news of Jesus and be heading for heaven. People had to hear the gospel. No matter what the personal consequences were, people had to hear the gospel. I not about you, but... So I read that and I think, well, I'm hopeless by comparison. Yeah, aren't we? No, I didn't. I didn't say anything because I didn't feel it was the right time. Or, you know, no, I, I can't be part of the team for this or that because uh, I'm really very busy. Or, no, sorry, can't help. My Friday evenings are very precious, or whatever it is. And uh, uh, can the whole week? What about my holiday and so on? You know, and uh, oh, I'd love to be helping on Sunday morning, but that I means so I have to come early. We'd have to use both cars, and I just. Uh, uh, you know suffering for the gospel i trouble is an awful lot of christian folks these days um we really don't want to suffer for the gospel i think anyone wants to suffer for the gospel i think the question is if we're prepared to would we do that would we give ourselves because this is seriously seriously important isn't it and that goes on to the second little sub-point there, that's suffering for the gospel. But also, let's just remember, we've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with the gospel. And I don't know if you notice in this passage, there are quite a lot of not this, but that kind of uh, phrases. So in verse 1, not without results, but, verse 2, you see. And then in verse 3, not from impure motives, but on the contrary, verse 4. Uh, Verse 4, not to please people, but to please God. Verse 6, not looking for the praise of people. Instead, verse 7, and so on. So he's saying here, we've been entrusted with the gospel, and that is going to change our motives, and that's such a huge and wonderful privilege and a responsibility that we need to to make sure that we're going to be communicating this well and rightly. So look at verse 3. He says, from, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Now, impure could have some kind of sexual undertones there. It may be, it may not be. Uh, we don't know exactly, but it could do. And uh, uh, But what he's saying is there's no underlying deviousness in what we do. And that's for all of us, and not just people up front or youth leaders or whatever, but it's uh, for all of us. So we won't be using our kind of Christian ministry for our own self-gratification. So we won't be helping people and phoning them up and going around to see them and so on, as things lift from uh, a week tomorrow, we trust. Um, No, we won't be doing that for our own benefit. Sometimes we need to have a look at our motives, don't we? I mean, some people love standing up in front of other people. Um, Personally, I don't very much. But uh, I believe the Lord's called me to do this. But He says here, no guile, no trickery, no dishonesty. He says, look, what you see must be what you get. In your ministry, is it is it pretend, or is it real? Are you pretending to be nice and loving, or are you really nice and loving? What's the heart? We speak, says Paul in verse 4, approved by God. And the word means uh, uh, to be tested, to be examined. So, for instance, if you have an MOT test done on your car, then it tells you that your car was roadworthy on the day of the MOT test. And then you have another year until the next one. But what he's saying here is the, the testing, the examination is ongoing. Every day. All the time every act of kindness, every uh, meal we do, every sermon we give, every uh, praying for people uh, in KO or climbers or minis or whatever this morning and so on, that is actually tested by the Lord in terms of our hearts and what our hearts are like. So how's your heart today? How's your heart today? Is what you do real? Is what you say real? And you see, God entrusts entrusts the gospel to us extraordinarily. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I trustworthy? Am I worthy to be entrusted with the gospel? Like a steward or a trustee. To look after it by proclaiming it to others. And then look at verses 4 and 5. those are really challenging. It says, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. You are proved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Approved by God today to be entrusted with the gospel worthy to be entrusted with the gospel I think we'd all say no wouldn't we we'd all say no and the Lord you know knows he knows our hearts he knows how we struggle he knows how we'd love to be you know better more godly more holy than we are and all the rest of it he knows what we're like and he knows what we long for and he works in our hearts and he's kind and forgiving and accepting. And so we do our best to be approved by the gospel. So authentic ministry, it's pleasing God. Pleasing a God who knows and understands us. Who sees us deep down inside. Pleasing, Seeking to please a God who knows our hearts. And knows how mucked up we can be inside. But actually the deep down inside we really do want to please him. And do his will in our lives and seek to help other people the best we can. Pleasing God. The second thing is loving people. And uh, uh, Christian ministry is about people, isn't it? In the end, it's about loving people. Some uh, Sometimes I've, I've genuinely and literally heard ministers say, I love my people by preparing my sermon." And effectively, they're saying, I'll spend all week in my study preparing my sermon. I will appear on Sunday and give it six feet above contradiction. And then I'll disappear again for the next six days. That's inadequate, isn't it? We want to be people who love people, who are involved with people. And authentic gospel ministry is marked by maternal and paternal care. So it was a mother, verses 7 to 9, here. This is verses 6 to 9, anyway, verses 7 to 9. Uh, love people as a mother. John Stott said, we all need to cultivate more in our pastoral ministry of the gentleness, love, and self-sacrifice of a mother. That's whether you're male or female. All of us. Now, look at verse 7. Instead, we were like young children among you. Or if you've got the the church Bibles, there's a little A there, and it says... Or gentle at the bottom. And, uh, uh, either of those translations are possible in the original, in, in, in the Greek. But when you work out the context, and when you go on to, to the, to the bit that's after the, you know, starts the new paragraph, after the end of verse seven, don't worry about the paragraph break, I just think it makes sense, it seems to be better fit to say that we were gentle among you, Instead, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother caring for her children. Now, we've got a guy called uh, around about 400 AD, uh, John Chrysostom said, uh, writing to his own church, he said this, This one thing is the burden of my prayers, that I long for your advancement. But that in which I strive with all is this, that I love you, that I am wrapped up in you, That you are my all, father, mother, brethren, children. And look at verse 1, verse 8, rather. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We loved you so much. We shared our whole lives with you. Wow. So there's no distant ministry. It's sharing life. The gospel is communicated life to life, actually. And this is uh, this is not my retirement announcement, but uh, um, that's a little way off. Um, but if uh, uh, at some point you'll be looking for a new vicar, won't you? And when you do, do please get someone who will let you get to know them and who will share their life with you. That's really, really important, and uh, and this sharing of life has been really very difficult over the last year and a bit, hasn't it? Um, uh, three lockdowns, still with restrictions. A week tomorrow, uh, we trust that some of the restrictions will be lifted. So let's use the opportunities for us all to be Christian ministers. To see people, invite people to our homes, pop into their homes and so on. Uh, we trust that's what we're going to be able to do. That's a great step forward. And isn't it, uh, isn't it great news, for instance, that Tiddlywinks is restarting. Pray for weather on Wednesday mornings <laughs> as uh, they'll be in the garden here. That's, that's great news, isn't it? But taking the opportunities, sharing the gospel. As we care and we love and we share the gospel and we share life with people. Just like a nursing mother, and also just like a dad, as a mother, but also as a father. And verses ten to twelve. Um, when you bake bread, it's no use having the yeast. Here's some yeast. Uh, this is what we do in hope, isn't it? We bake bread, and uh, um, it's no use having yeast in the pot. It's got to be in the dough, isn't it? Or if you use a bread maker, bung it in there with the other ingredients. That's what we do. That's what is necessary. And, uh, uh, um, and as just as the yeast needs to be above the flour, huh? so look at verse ten here. You are witnesses, and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blame we were, blameless we were among you who believed, among you, not separated from you, not as a distant kind of thing, but among you who believed, and positively among you you believed, holy, righteous, and blameless. And the Thessalonians knew they were witnesses of Paul's behaviour. They had experienced his lifestyle. I became a Christian at eighteen in a youth group. And uh, uh, and the man through whom I became a Christian, I can still remember it now, that was a long time ago. But the things I remember, actually I can't I don't think I can remember anything particularly that he said to me. Actually, I can't remember one or two things. But the things that I really remember are things like uh, in his loo upstairs. Never downstairs loo. Loo upstairs, left-hand side, there was a window, the windowsill. And on the windowsill, he had verse cards from the Bible in his loo. I remember how once he was giving me a lift somewhere and he was backing out from a place, he backed into a wall that he hadn't seen. I remember his reaction to that. I remember how he had a Bible in his car and how he had a Bible in the coffee table uh, of his uh, of his home, I remember those things. I remember his life. So, what are people going to remember you for? Well, they remember the good. Well, they remember, as it says in verse ten, how holy, righteous, and blameless we are. Now, when we um, among you who believed, and he says there in verse eleven, this is quite. There's an educational side to this in verse 11. It says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. And then look at these next words. Encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let's look at the uh, comforting and urging. The word comforting there is, uh, is a really interesting word, and what it means is uh, putting strength in. So, a bit like if you like, uh, if you have an electric car and you plug it in, and you're putting strength into the car, or perhaps not quite as good illustration, you pop up to the garage up the road and fill it up with petrol, putting strength in the car. And so, comforting someone, someone's gone through a rough time, someone's had a bereavement, and actually the comforting, as we draw along the side, as we spend some time with them, we make a cup of tea as we cry with them. Actually, what we're doing is we're putting strength into them. The Name of Jesus, and then so i don 't quite know why that got me <laughs> um, and then the other thing is um urging and um, now you know you, you know we like mountains and um uh, when it comes to mountains, uh, in, in years gone by, we would uh, get up the mountains uh, with the children, uh, except it was a bit of a struggle. Nowadays, for the children, it's a bit of a struggle to get us up the mountains. But, uh, um, but the way we managed it with our kids was uh, we said that the thing that worked best, okay, there was food and things like that, but the thing that worked best was you'll get a mobile signal at the top. And that was us urging them up the mountain. Urging them up. Okay, a bit of bribery with food, but also the, uh, the, the true thing that they would get a mobile signal at the top. Christian ministry, we're encouraging, comforting, and urging one another to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom <clears throat> and glory. Now, um... One final thing. Look at verse 11. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Each of you. Each of you. That means individually. That means people are different. That means, for instance, uh, you know, you might be 8 or you might be 28 or you might be 88 or 98. And the way the principles are the same, but the way it works out is going to differ from person to person to person because of our stage in life and our background. Maybe our educational background, all the rest of it. Of course, we're different. But don't you love here the way that that Paul is saying, look, it's just each of you. So it's different for you, for you, for you, for me. It's different for everyone. That means the individual, the personal work is really, really significant. The principles of ministry are the same. But we're going to do it differently depending on the individuals. That's why we all need to be involved. Because your gifts and abilities and your friendships and so on are obviously different from mine. That's why, therefore, we're all involved in helping, urging, encouraging, building up people and all the rest of it. Authentic Christian ministry. And we just need to keep on checking, don't we? that Actually, this is what we do here and what we do individually and what I do and what you do. Is it lining up with what we've got here? So are we pleasing God rather than ourselves, rather than other people? Are we prepared to suffer for the gospel? Are we seeing the privilege of being entrusted with the gospel? And are we loving people as a mum and as a dad? Let's do authentic Christian ministry, shall we? Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, you want us all involved and all serving you if we're Christians. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us for our ministries to be lining up more and more with the pattern of authentic ministry that we see here. For your name's sake.